So if we allow ourselves to just take some time and contemplate um, our own experience as well as memory of our life, you know, I don't know how many of us actually have memories of ourselves as babies, but probably there's some pictures around that we've seen of us as babies. So when we think about the pictures, you know, we can get a sense of the size our body was and the way our skin looked and, you know, the kind of way that our facial expressions were. You know, we have a sense of what, our, what we were like as babies. And then some of us might have memories of what we are early memories of being children. And so as we are remembering the, the baby pictures or the memories that we have, just to just let ourselves take some time and go through the experience of, of, of being a baby, a, ch- a toddler, a child, and just noticing the different things that happen to our body. You know, noticing how our bodies grew and noticing the kinds of things that we are remembering about different ages. And then what, you know, adolescence felt like when our bodies started changing and we became, uh, the sexual characteristics of our body started to develop and mature. And if we have any memories about that whole kind of torrent (laughs) of chaos and confusion. And then our body changed again, and then we were dealing more with an adult-shaped size body, but still in a a mind often that was navigating in and out of, 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 of needing a lot of care and support and yet wanting independence. And so it was, for many people, adolescence is not an easy time. thinking about what that was like, what memories you have of that, what your memories of your body was like. Do you have body memories from that age? (sighs) And then after adolescence, we're in our early 20s. And what did that feel like? In terms of what kind of things did you get involved with athletically? How physically strong were you? How much endurance did you have? You know, oftentimes in adolescence, the kinds of, of, of hormones and chemicals that are surging through our bodies, we felt immortal. You know, we felt like we could do anything and that we would recover from anything. And so just letting images or thoughts or pictures of you or situations or experiences that you had from your 20s just coming bubbling up not quite a meditation, it's more like a guided imagery, a little bit different. And then how did it shift? Did you notice anything different when you were in your 30s? What started to happen? What, did you notice any changes in your body? I remember getting hairs on my chin in my 30s and feeling absolutely mortified. And then realized, I'm a nun. Why do I need to be mortified? This is what happens to a body. 
know, but bodies change, and then, you know, all these different kinds of things, and some of them are welcome changes, and some of them are devastating changes. <coughs> Absolutely devastating changes. So just letting your mind drift back through your memory of what the 30s was like for you and the kinds of shifts and changes in your body. And then, you know, moving through the decades slowly, taking time with each decade, noticing if you can remember what changes you experienced in your body. When you notice gray hair, you know, when you noticed your skin plasticity starting to change, when you noticed your teeth getting longer. Did you notice your shape changing? Like everything seems to head in the downward direction. <laughs> until we're in our skin right now, sitting here in this room with each other. And so from the time we were an infant until we are sitting here right now, there's quite a change. Quite a change. And this is natural. Nothing has gone wrong. This is what happens with having a body, is that it, it grows from being a baby to a child, to an adolescent, to an adult, and then we get older. If we have the good fortune to live long enough to get older. I have met somebody this year whose son died of a heart attack when, when he was 16 years old. Nothing, they didn't know anything was the matter with him. Nothing, there's no sign. So we are older than 16, all of us, and some of us have got some health issues. Some of them are moderate, some of them are major, some of them are life-threatening. And our lives are older than 16. We've lived longer than that. So we can focus on the things that are wrong or we can focus on the things that have been a blessing in our life, that we've been allowed to live this long. And the good fortune that we've had, the friendships that we've had, the opportunities to cultivate, to practice that we've had. And so the truth of the present moment is not a fixed reality. It's often uh, influenced by the way we direct our attention. Certainly there will be truth in the, in the kinds of medical health and history that we have lived through. There's a truth in that. It's not that that's untrue. But there's also a truth in the blessings of what we have Uh, been able to experience. There's also a truth in that. And the the richness of the friendships that we've had, the the intimacy, the 
authentic connections that we've had, the, the sharing, the tenderness, the caring that we've experienced, the insight that we have. There's also a truth in that. So when we're contemplating old age, we need to be careful about where we place our attention. Because one way of placing attention may activate a lot of despondency and despair and feelings of fear or anxiety or hopelessness. And another way of placing attention opens our heart to feelings of gratitude and appreciation and joy and tenderness. And both of them have a truth. So what kind of truth do we want to encourage? And that's a choice. Where we place our attention is going to encourage one of these two choices to to one of these two kinds of truth and then there's the possibility to contemplate our own death and I have never in a retreat context, um, actually, no, that's not true. There was one retreat that I did on uh, death and dying where I invited people to contemplate their own death. After, it was a week-long retreat, and after about four or five days of meditation, I, 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 I did a guided meditation where we, in, we contemplated what it would be like to die. But mostly I don't do that because I don't feel... I'm afraid it's going to be too scary for people, you know. But the reality is, is that this is a journey that each of us are going to have to navigate. And the more we are prepared for it, the more we are familiar with it, the more we are used to that idea, then my guess is, is, is that, that that will be supportive. So I don't know if I'm doing anybody a great service by not doing contemplations of death. But I know once I was in Thailand and I had a, um, some kind of a, a funny spot and I went to the doctor and the doctor was concerned that it, it might be melanoma. And so they, when they had, think it's melanoma, they take a big, huge chunk out. And I was in the tropics and I don't know, because of, they gave me a lot of antibiotics. And so the combination of the surgery and the antibiotics, my system didn't do so well, so I was in a lot of pain. But I was on retreat, and I remember thinking, well, rather than push it out of my uh, attention, like this is not happening, and for sure it's not melanoma, and I'm definitely going to be okay, what would happen if I did the opposite, and just take it on, and say, okay, I'm in this space before I get the test results back, where I actually don't know. And what happens if I actually take it on board and say, okay, let's just say that I do have melanoma and the doctor tells me I've got three months to live or six months to live. How would that be? What would I want to do? How would I want to focus my attention? 
what would I need to say or who would I need to talk to? What would I need to feel important as a way of finishing, of getting ready to close my life and to move on? And because of the fact that I was physically uncomfortable because of the surgery and uncomfortable because of the reaction to the antibiotics and uncomfortable because of the mind states that initially got activated, it wasn't a comfortable week. You know, it really wasn't a comfortable week, but it was really a fruitful week. It was really important. Because by the time I did get the results back and it turned out, you know, I didn't have melanoma, I didn't even have skin cancer, it was just some kind of a funny spot, I felt like, you know, I'm okay. If this is what I'm having to deal with now, I, I can move with that. I can see what I need to do. I, need, I can see where I need to focus my attention. I can see how I would need to spend my time in order to feel at ease to go. What's left to do. And what I, what I noticed happened as a result of willfully, deliberately taking on this exploration and working with it was that kind of back of the mind kind of agitation of what if, what if, what if, what if, what if I've got this terrible, terrible, catastrophic illness, what if, you know, those kinds of fears that are often kind of not even completely conscious, they, they seem to surface less. It's like, you know, I, there'll be a time when it'll be my time. I don't know when that is, but I don't feel that fear kind of waiting behind me, pulling at me of, <gasps> What if it's now? What if it's now? What if it's maybe, maybe this, maybe this feeling is because of something that's gone wrong. Maybe it's that, you know. And so for me to take on board that contemplation and wholeheartedly explore the feelings around what if this is actually the time right now. It was helpful for me to have another measure of peace around this topic that is a topic that all of us are going to have to deal with sooner or later. And none of us know when that's actually going to be. You know, we don't have an actual date of when that is going to be. But we can know with absolute certainty that we are going to have to walk through that journey. Every one of us. So, if we can feel a little bit more comfortable with that, knowing that that's what's going to happen, and that there'll be a time when our body is going to fall apart and cease to function, and that our consciousness is going to leave our body, then, you know, what happens? What happens when we explore that and feel a little bit more peace around it? What does it do to the way that we live? That's an interesting exploration. That's an interesting topic of inquiry. What happens in our daily life when we really fully, wholeheartedly take up and take on board the fact of the inevitability of our death? What does it do for your priorities or your values? Or what does it do for the way you want to spend time with your friends or your family or the people you care about. You know, what happens? 
when we really absolutely genuinely look at this and face it and realize I can't escape from this there's no place I can go there's nothing I can do there's no amount of wealth I can accumulate there's no amount of intellectual property I can generate that's going to make it possible for me to escape this I too am going to have to walk this journey and you're in good company everyone has you know the Dalai Lama will have to do this one day Ajahn Chah had to you know everybody who has been alive on this earth has had to go through this and at one point or another it will be our time So when we look at it, when we investigate, when we explore this topic as a contemplation, considering, you know, the fact that our bodies are going to die and what that feels like and what we need to do to prepare for that and what we need to do in order to finish so that we are on good terms now with ourselves and with our people so that we don't have a sense of having a huge amount of baggage. What would that look like? that we can pass peacefully. Now this contemplation of old age, sickness, and death, classically in a monastic setting, is something that we reflect on daily. That we're not beyond this old age, we're not beyond sickness, we're not beyond dying. And it's done for a very clear and very deliberate purpose, which is to focus our attention and our priorities on what is important. So just think about it for yourself for right now. When you bring this contemplation to mind, how does it shift your sense of what's important? How do you want to spend your time when you contemplate the fact that you're not in a position to escape these fundamental truths? Now the fourth messenger is the gone forth one, the samana, the renunciant, who's dedicated to awakening. And in our assembly today, you have not one, but you have three people who have made this life commitment. But this is actually an option in our contemporary world. Not that everyone needs to take it up, but it's an option. And whether or not you make that life choice yourself, you can have direct contact with people who have. You know? They're in your backyard. Yeah. And so when you think about you know, the journey of awakening. What is that? What does that mean? What does it mean to be awakened so that your happiness is not dependent on your physical body or health, whether people like you or not, or agree with you or approve of you? What would it be like to imagine something that is completely connected to the world 
and unshakable from the changing conditions of the world. What that freedom might be like. So one of the real important places of contemplating old age, sickness, and death is to hone our attention so that we focus on awakening, on an awakening that is not dismissing what happens to our bodies as they get older and as we get sick and in the journey of death. But where our awakening is not solely contingent upon having a body that's healthy, having a body that's energetic, an awakening where death is not an obstacle. What does that look like? And does it interest you? Is that more important than a fancy computer? So what I'd like to do for the rest of the afternoon or for some of the guided meditations in the afternoon is to see if we can touch into a quality of awakening or awareness that can move us into uh, understanding of what this might be like. See how it feels. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.